Joining me today is Robert Cercos, Juan Pablo Garcia, the founders of Spike SPA, a leading provider of advanced analytics and machine learning. Spike joined the Bain family earlier this year. Today, we'll talk with them about their educations and early careers that led them to meet, how Spike came to be, and some of the early work they've been doing across South America, and then the transition as Spike joined the Bain family relatively recently. Robert, JP, welcome. Thanks for having us. We're really happy to be here. Thank you, Keith. So I want to start, as I always do, with a little bit of your backgrounds. Uh, and Robert, maybe we'll start with you. I know, like me, you went into engineering and probably had some kind of vision for what you wanted to do after that. Why did you choose engineering and what was the original career plan when you started? I didn't have a really clear idea of what I wanted to do, but I really enjoyed like building stuff and doing stuff that uh, changes things out there, you know? So engineering provided this kind of open space in which I could study different stuff and then decide what to do afterwards, okay? So, and it, it worked exactly like that. When we were looking, my wife and I are both engineers, as is our son. We looked at the industrial engineers as you know, sort of process experts and thinking about how things work. Uh, we call them IE here in, in the university in the US, which we referred to as imaginary engineers when we were in school. Um, Juan Paulo, what about you? You also studied engineering, right? Yeah, I was 17 and decided on pursuing a, this engineering career. Like I, at the time, I think I liked math, physics. I actually did a summer camp on physics the summer before joining engineering. But I guess one of the things that pushed me going after engineering was also that my dad, he's also an industrial engineer. Since I was 10, I think that the word, oh, you should go into industrial engineer was like a common thing. So when I needed to take the decision, I was kind of a no brainer, but I didn't know at the time what I was going to do. Like I, like I was, just flowing with the things that I'd like at the time. When I think back, everybody was telling me, if you like math and science and computers, you should consider being an engineer. Except without those types of programs or camps, I legitimately thought well into high school that engineers were the people that worked on trains. And I couldn't reconcile the difference. I was like, I don't understand. What does math and science have to be with, do with driving a train? And as I, got, as I got more into it, I realized that was not the case, which was very helpful. Now... Robert, you, you finished the bachelor's degree and you stayed for graduate school. Talk a little bit about your graduate school journey and, and the decision process you went through to continue sort of staying in, in, on the academic track. So after I studied engineer, I worked like three years in a big airline here in, in Latam Airlines. And then afterwards, I, we moved with, with my wife uh, to Melbourne, Australia. She got accepted in a PhD program and I got a, accepted in a master's degree in information systems. I got really interested in, in technology and databases and all of that. And that was part of my role in, in Latam Airlines. So I got interested in, hey, what's the role of technology in organizations? You know, what's the transformative power of, of technology, etc. cetera? Uh, so I started with a with master's degree, but then I took like a subject on uh, pervasive computing or ubiquitous computing. The, the, uh, it's also the, like the name of the topic. And I got really interested in that. And, and that's uh, like computers beyond the screen, you know, like informatics in everyday objects, things like, like that. So I got really into that. 
got connected to researchers and, and started meeting people that was uh, their field and got an offer to do a PhD on that, you know, in interaction design. So it was a really kind of accidental path to academia. I, I always was a lecturer since I graduated from undergrad, you know, but uh, not in research, you know, I, I didn't have any, any experience in research. So it was a really an amazing path, you know, I, now I see it and it was really accidental, but yeah, just following what I liked Following what I what was interesting to me was what uh, got me there. Be honest now, when you moved over to Australia, was there any chance where pursuing what you liked would have had you being a full time musician? Because I understand you play uh, you play music <laughs> as well. When I started working, that was kind of yeah. So this is the end now. Music it's part of the past. And when I started my PhD, it was kind of okay. So the musician is not part of the of the future. But then afterwards, things got connected, you know, and now I'm doing more music that at that time. You know? <laughs> Very cool. And JP, what about you? You finished your engineering degree as a bachelor student. My understanding yeah. is you went to a fantastic school in Boston, uh, where only the best and the brightest go. Uh, I may or may not have attended school there. Talk about your decision to, to come to Cambridge and go to MIT. Yeah. So after I finished my undergrad, I did my thesis on revenue management at the same airline that Robert worked, that's where we met. And after I finished my thesis, I stayed there. They, they invited me to stay. And so I worked for almost six years uh, in the airline industry, mostly in revenue management areas. And I also was part of the merger of LAN and TAM. Like Robert mentioned, things get connected backwards uh, in the end. And when I was part of the merger team, I worked with Bain and I worked with the guys that are now part of the leadership team of Bain in South America. So yeah, things started to get connected backwards. As you mentioned, then like after six years in the industry, I wanted to kind of look at different stuff. I wanted to learn more stuff. I wanted to be exposed to new stuff that I didn't know and also live abroad. And so that's why I went to MIT uh, where I did a master's in complex systems. And I didn't know what, like I didn't have an idea on what to do afterwards, but I was super open and I went there with an openness to learn new stuff, hopefully join the startup community, entrepreneurship. Yeah, and I also discovered all this AI and machine learning stuff that blew my mind. Right, and it's interesting because I think a lot of people think about pursuing their passions and doing the things that they're passionate about, but you both mentioned in there, you did work for a significant number of years and actually build credibility and, and get real experience. It wasn't just going from one thing that felt great to another. You know, along the way you're doing work. Now, you both mentioned that you met while you were working at the airline. Was that an instant like we should work together someday or were you just sort of passing each other in the hallway and saying hi? Definitely, definitely. So we spent like a year and a half together or, or a year together. Then Robert went to Australia and I stayed a couple of years more. But so during the time that we were together, we were in different areas, but we spent several projects. Uh, we worked together there, but also there was a kind of light on something that afterwards was going to be like Spike. And we developed a small group, like a special operations team, 
where we had one Friday every two weeks just to create stuff. Nothing related to the business, like, oh, there's an agenda of the business that you should follow. No, it was like, okay, needs to be tied to the business, but no, no agenda. So it was our imagina imagination and building stuff, coding and doing digital products that were part of a huge development of several teams afterwards. But for us, it was a space where we were had uh, three hours to spend on cool projects. So it's almost yeah. like getting the band together to just jam a little bit. Exactly right. And it felt great. And yeah, then our journeys went in parallel for a bunch of years. My feeling was, yeah, I really want to work with this guy again. I don't know when, but hopefully the soon, the better. I want to get into a little bit about Spike, which was founded in 2016. We talked a little bit about sort of the early seed to that business, but what led you to down the entrepreneurial route? And maybe Robert, you can get us started, but when did you decide you know, that you wanted to go on your own and actually start a business? Maybe what is expected that is for me to say, oh yeah, I was always searching for this. You know, I had a clear idea of what I wanted to do. No, it's not the case because I moved back to Chile. Now I live in Valdivia. Valdivia is a city in the south of Chile, 800 kilometers from the capital city, from Santiago where there are not many job opportunities. It's not like many industries operating here, you know? So it's, it's a place where we have a good university. So I, I got a lecturing position here in Valdivia, but nothing else to do or to work in, you know? And I was used to working, you know, Latin Airlines. And after living in Melbourne, I had, I had this hunger for doing stuff, you know, that had some impact out there, you know? And that's how... Because of necessity, even like we got connected with JP, you know, and it was, hey, Juan Pablo, let's do something, you know, let's do something because I'm here in Valdivia and I'm lecturing, but I have spare time. And Juan Pablo was in Boston without spare time because he was also a research assistant. He had a job and also studying the, the, this master's at MIT. He said, yeah, for sure, let's do it. It was something like that because of the necessity of doing something. It wasn't something, a clear idea of becoming an entrepreneur. And JP, what about you? It sounds like you had enough things keeping you busy during the week and probably on the weekends knowing MIT. <laughs> How did the opportunity come from your perspective? So I was on my second year, I was building another startup on analytics for amateur sports and things we're going well, but like I, I need to take a decision at that moment because I was going to finish my degree and I need to take a decision on should I go back to Chile? Should I start looking for jobs? And I didn't want to go into the, the same thing that I was at my previous job. So I went to create something and that's where we got connected with Robert and yeah, it was like he mentioned, like, let's do something. We don't know what, but we like to work together. We had a strong bond there and something's going to happen. Like we knew that magic was going to appear and something was going to like in the end, something was going to happen. That is a tremendous yeah. leap of faith 
to take uh, yeah. on a business idea. And Robert, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that the first opportunity came along for you to create magic. I would say the revenue attached to that project wasn't super great. Can you talk a little bit about the sort of trial run for Spike or what would become Spike? We went to, to a, a meet with people that we knew offering this software factory, basically. You know, it was the first idea that, that came to our minds. And one of the people that we met, uh, that person said, hey, no, you know what I really need? That idea is good, but what I really need is to get value from the data, you know? So can you work for free <laughs> for a month in order to show me if you can get value from the data? And we had nothing to lose, you know? So we said, of course, you know, it's a great opportunity. Let's do it. You know, and we did it for a month working for free. But what was great about it is that we found a, an awesome opportunity with data in that particular company. So it was great because we started with the, like with a lot of luck, you know, we, we did a home run in the first, you know, in, the, in our first game, you know, it was awesome. And that created some credibility immediately in us that we didn't have any, any experience, past experience specifically in advanced analytics, you know, so it was great. What was the project? What was the insight? Like, why did they bring you all in to look at data that they already had? And what did you find that they weren't seeing? We, this guy and the commercial team, they were like super strong into commercial and marketing. And they being at that time, they mentioned that they already use all the tools that they have to kind of grow the business that they were trying to grow but they got stumped like there were no more growth uh, and they needed to arrive into another level and they were hearing here and there that with data you could go into that next level so it was like we don't know what to do like but we know that we don't use data and we know that we've done everything that on our uh, tools in order to meet the growth, but we were stuck. So I think here comes like a lot of cliches, uh, phrases, but for me, those resonate a lot. Like as an entrepreneur, you need to pivot. And for us, we pivot in one week. We went into a pitch, like a sale pitch, where we offer a software factory and we went out of that meeting like, okay, now the software factory, we need to get rid of that. And we need to like learn stuff about data, models, algorithms, technology, uh, how to apply that into a specific use case. And then there's also a, a, like the entrepreneurial domain of team bits a good idea. So you, you can have like a really good idea but if you don't have a good team, probably even if it's the best business idea, you're never going to do it. Like you're never going to be there. And even it's better to have a bad idea, but a good team. I think in our case, we really embrace an opportunity that we didn't think at all at the moment, but we were confident that as a team, we were able to tackle anything. And it was like a... Confidence gained over time. Like we, at that time, we were exposed to a lot of stuff, but at the same time, we were super humble. And even today that we don't know all the things that we should know. And, and it was okay. At that time, we didn't know anything about data, 
uh, we were connected to technology. We both learned to code like a super young stage, but we didn't know, oh, we should build a data innovation lab that solves use cases for big organizations. No, that like that phrase, it came like after two years of actually doing stuff. Ah, this is what we're doing. But it wasn't the case like at the f that first week. You work for free for a month and it turns into, as you said, Robert, a home run. And I think you had like a 17 or 15 or 17 X, you know, improvement on what they were doing prior. So then when did you decide to really turn this into a business and hire employees and, and actually scale the work you were doing? Was the demand, you know, focused on airline industries or something that you knew or were you were you spreading out a lot bigger than that? Yeah, we, we started with this with this project and it was super fun. We, we were having a lot of fun and we are being su successful at it. So other companies started to, to call from other industries. And that was really interesting from healthcare, from retail, like because someone knew that a, a guy that has a friend that works at this company where we started. So... It was really like the word to mouth, uh, to mouth that started the, the phone ringing, you know, and saying, hey, can you solve a problem in retail? And it was, uh, yeah, sure, we think we can, you know. And, and that's where we, when we started getting that traction, we said, yeah, we have to build a business on, on, on this. And we started hiring people like we got the, the, the confidence after uh, we got some some experience and, f and and we had fun doing it. We showed that we were good at it, so it was the the, the whole mix was uh, for us the, the the signal of saying, "Hey, yeah, go for it, go for it!" With, like with all you have. That's awesome, and and I know you've hired employees all over South America now that uh, the business has grown, and. Are there projects in those early days or even even as you were more established as a business that you're particularly proud of that you worked on where you said, you know, wow, this we really made a difference here and, and changed the trajectory of this organization or this company? Yeah. So back in the time, I think data, machine learning and advanced analytics was not a topic that it is now. So for most of these companies, this was new, new stuff. So. We, we are, I guess we're super proud about like kicking things off for a bunch of big companies here in Chile and within the region as well. Because we were the first guys uh, on using that data and actually improving some of the domains by using these advanced analytics techniques and building the, the base of their technological stack and we actually build a whole data strategy for them. And now we see that these companies have like really huge advanced analytics departments and they're doing like super well. But again, we love to see the growth and we were part of that story and we learned a lot. Like, and, and still today, we, we are really into learn stuff, experiment with that stuff. And that was the thing that we put in to practice a lot, to actually build, create, test, and learn. A lot of good stories. To give an example of the things that we've done, for instance, so getting to, to business. For instance, one of the tools that we developed for an airline was a flight delay prediction tool. The idea behind was when you're an airline, you have a lot of flights, a complex network, and you want to prioritize 
the flights that might be delayed during the day, for instance. And you have different reasons for that. You have, of course, climate, but also you have more internal reasons like connection and connecting passengers from a long haul flight into a domestic flight. But also you have families with strollers or you have people that don't know the airport. And, and again, there are a lot of reasons why a flight might be delayed. So we build a tool that predicts during the day in real time what flights and why they're going to be delayed. And this was a breakthrough for the airline because they were able to improve all their standards in terms of punctuality during the day and focus on the flights and the reasons why a flight might be delayed. So now you're not like only as a team, you're not basing all your decisions just in, in the history and the experience the team had, but you can expand a more standardized solution across the whole network and across all the airports. So yeah, it was a tremendous tool that now it's been deployed in different airports uh, across the, the whole operations of this airline. I did airline work in the early 2000s and the amount of time that you would make decisions without data and have huge effects that you didn't recognize was just amazing to me because there were a couple of flights that would just bounce back and forth. And if you messed up something early in the day, it would just propagate throughout the rest of the day around the country. And it, it turns out not all flights were created equal. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's always good to hear that we're getting better at that as I prepare to start flying again uh, later this year. I want to switch gears now and talk a little bit about Spike joining the Bain family earlier this year. When did you all start working with Bain? JP, I think you said you had, you had come across Bain earlier in your career, but how did Spike start building that relationship with Bain? Because I know a lot of the companies that have become part of the family more formally had a longstanding relationship with us before we took that step. So maybe you could give us a little bit of background on, on how it all started. Things started with Bain at uh, the beginning where I was working at Latam and I worked side by side with the Bain team during the merger where I met part of the guys that are now on the leadership team here in South America. And we maintained that relationship even when I was in the US. And during January of 2021, we received an invitation to participate on a program where Bain was looking for different advanced analytics uh, companies to have like a relationship uh, or a partnership to kind of develop the capability within South America. And we were, yeah, totally. But we knew from the start that it was going to be a tough journey because they were looking for companies from Mexico down to Chile. So we knew that there are a bunch of great companies and that's where the relationships started, like getting to know each other, how we work as a team, how we did all the technical stuff, technological stuff, security stuff, but also kind of we started to think, okay, why don't we work together in a project and see how we work together and how can we deliver value to uh, a specific client? So we had that first project and it was an amazing experience we got connected since the beginning. Like we 
We knew that the magic that we felt on our projects with the Bain team got expanded. Like we, we always said during the, the process that one plus one is, it's not two. And, and it was way, way higher than that. So I think that the light started. Then, yeah, we, we started to do more projects and more projects and more success stories. And of course, there was a lot of things to work on. But it was the start of our relationship that now has been looking backwards the, the start of an important relationship and the, the start of, again, building this capability, this new capability and seeing on the client faces and businesses the impact that we both bring to the table. Now, Robert, when you set out to you know, start this journey with JP, were you thinking that it would be a company or an organization, and it sounded more like you all were just you know, taking the opportunities they came and enjoying the ride. When a company like Bain calls, you know, we're coming up on our 50th anniversary, you know, do you kind of go, I kind of like the couple dozen people that I have, you know, being nimble and being able to take what we want and not do what we don't want. What was that like when a company like Bain asks, as JP said, participate in this project and maybe we could work more closely? For us, really, it was a, a feeling of, hey, we were not crazy. This is working where we, when a company like Bain calls you, it's kind of, and you work together and it works and it is a success. For us, it was the final. It, it, if we were expecting a signal, that was the signal of this is working, really, because we knew that we had a great organization. We love Spike. We, we think we have the best team possible. But yet, you always are searching for validation and, for, and, and you're, always, you're never 100% sure that you really have something that is sustainable, that is for us getting that call, getting that opportunity and transforming that into success was for us the, uh, like, like uh, really the confirmation of something. We joke that it's kind of that, like the Barcelona calling you to play football, you know? It's a kind of, wow, so you're doing something good, you know? The, the Barca versus Real is a, uh, a debate in the household between my son. So let's not, let's not introduce that into this conversation. <laughs> the, um, you know, what, what's been the most exciting part of the journey since Spike formally joined the Bain family? How has that changed the working relationship or has it just highlighted the, the great parts and magnified them? So I, I believe that we are, first of all, we are super aligned in terms of values and principles and that we want to deliver the best that we can to our clients. And I, I think we are super aligned on that. And also for us, the cultural part of our team has played an enormous part on the team that we ended up building. We have been having zero churn and with a vibrant atmosphere inside the team. And the reason why is that we put a lot of effort on creating and developing a strong value proposition. And joining Bain has only been a way of strengthening that value prop, where we get people exposed into like super cool projects and ever changing challenges. Because for us, what we want to do is to learn a lot and, and we want to be exposed to different challenges, different industries, different use of techniques and different technologies, algorithms. So for us, that's an important part of inviting people to the team and because of your part of being, you're going to be exposed to this value prop 
that it's it's not only about challenges but also about benefits and and also about taking care of the community and be part of a diverse community so Bain puts a lot of effort on diversity inclusion and and we wanted to pursue a diverse uh, team as well but joining Bain has been wow like mind blowing pro bono projects uh climate change so all that stuff are super important things right now has been things that as a spike yeah we we wanted to do we wanted to pursue but now we're that we're part of Bain those stuff has been like an explosion what would you say to people that are listening that might have an interest or especially those that have a background in data science and machine learning who are interested in getting involved with you know Bain's AAG more broadly or spike down in South America um you know I know the business was growing before you joined the family and and as you just said JP there's a lot of demand for the expertise that you bring but what should people know if they're if they're interested or want to work more closely with the, with the work that you're doing I would say that consulting the consulting business it's like the traditional consulting business is getting transformed and now for instance building tools left behind tools is more and more and more frequent you know it's more common so maybe it's a counterintuitive that there is a space for experts and for technical people in a consultant like a, in a consultancy firm like like Bain but I would say we really like and and I've seen this from the inside like the the expert team is growing fast super fast and this is because the consultancy business is transforming itself you know and so it's the the the, the importance of uh, technology and developers and user experience experts and agile experts and advanced analytics experts it's growing 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 in importance in the consultancy business I want to add that we are in the business of predicting stuff and kind of predicting the future and this is a tough one like how the future is going to be like in the next i don't know 5 10 20 years but what we know it's that the probably the future is going to be uncertain it's going to be messy it's going to be ever changing you don't need a plan you need to have really talented team capable to do stuff to tackle the new challenges and for that it's not a science that you need multidisciplinary teams and that's why now being developing these new capabilities is going the right path because in order to tackle those new challenges you probably are going to need technical people and within our domain of course there there are some other domains as well but do you have this strong capability on data analytics and advanced analytics now has been a tremendous of of tremendous value and we see a lot of impact that has been unlocked for our clients due to this new multidisciplinarity i want to close out by asking you both to share either a word of advice for people listening and starting their careers or share something that's particularly exciting to you about the future ahead but i also want to double down on what you both said you know when i joined the consulting industry a little over 26 years ago a big part of our effort was just finding the data there was no google and the magic that we brought to our clients was finding the needle in a haystack and now there is google 
And all of our clients are tracking tons and tons and tons of data that they can't really make sense of. It's almost like trying to find the right needle in a stack of needles. And that's an entirely different problem to solve. And JP, what you said also really resonates in the sense that the multidisciplinary teams that are needed today are, are more important than they've ever been. I used to leave my clients with a, a well-formatted Excel spreadsheet where I would lock some cells so they wouldn't break the tool. And now they expect me to leave behind an app that they can use on their smartphone 24-7 that integrates with all of their back office systems. And that requires really deep expertise, not necessarily generalists that can just figure out all of that on the fly, but really deep machine learning, really deep data science expertise, really deep coding and app development expertise and design expertise. And it's really exciting to have Spike as part of the family bringing all of those capabilities to us as well. As we close, maybe, uh, JP, we can start with you and then go to you, Robert. What has you excited or what advice would you give people? It's sort of a dealer's choice on this one. So I guess it's about doing the things you like and not being afraid of being who you are. I think like if you love uh, a specific domain or even you don't have any clue of what to do, like just go with the flow and, and discover a lot of stuff and learn a lot of stuff because things are gonna, and I really like the phrase of Steve Jobs, things are gonna get connected backwards and you need to use the knowledge and the story of your life in order to go into the next step. If you want to build something, use your story. You're going to be the best one on building that stuff because you're the only one that lived those experiences and the only one that know what you know. So going with the flow and be curious about stuff, I think it's the best advice that I, I can give. Yeah, I would say to avoid waiting to be ready before starting you know that i think the best way of getting ready to something is just start doing it's crazy it sounds weird you know i know some things don't work like this you know if we are building a, a bridge you need to be ready before building the bridge of course but most of things what is needed is a capability of learning new stuff you know the ability to learn new stuff and that's for sure it's not watching videos on youtube you know it's doing you know with the help of videos in YouTube, of course, you know, but if you start doing before being ready, I would say that that for me is what I have discovered now that I'm 39 years old, that that, that for me is the what I follow and to do it with the style, of course, what, what JP said, you know, do it in a way that is yours, you know, in a way that that satisfies you, that that you like. I would say those two things. That's really awesome to hear. The one thing that I would add as a friendly amendment to both is if you meet good people along the way, stay in touch with them and stay close. That's been a huge part of my Bain journey. And it's coincidental that you two bumped into each other a decade or more before you actually started something, but you stay close. Um, and we meet a lot yeah. of really good people along the way. And I don't think people are always diligent about keeping them along because things might just line up and, and magic will happen as you all as you all said. I want to thank you both for taking the time. First of all, welcome to Bain. I'm pretty sure we've done that already, but I do want to take a moment to just thank you both for taking time out of your schedule to come share your story with us. I think you might be in Chicago pretty soon and I look forward to hopefully seeing you both in person. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Keith, for the invitation.